Welcome to The Word This Week, where we believe that the Bible is more than just words on a page. They are the words we live by, and it's pretty cool too. We invite you to join us as we read through the Bible together this year. Welcome to The Word This Week. I'm your guest host, Jimmy Thorpe, and this is episode 29. This week's episode will be a little different. I know you're used to the silky, dulcet tones of Brian Vaughn, but I'll do my best to sub in for him. At the time of this recording, summer is in full swing, and many of us are in and out, traveling on mission trips or on vacation, so I'm just tagging in to share a few thoughts on this week's reading. Our reading comes from Isaiah primarily, but it begins in passages in 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles. So King Hezekiah, for 25 years, has led the people toward God. He dedicated himself to that pursuit wholeheartedly, maybe even at the expense of guiding his own children. In this week's reading, we see his son Manasseh become king at age 12. Yes, you heard that right, at age 12. Manasseh was so young, taking leadership far too early, he quickly undid all the work of his father and turned the people away from God and back to idolatry and the practices of paganism. Manasseh did what was evil in the Lord's sight. And as a parent, this is just a great reminder that our family is our first ministry. Leading our families to understand the truth of Jesus is truly paramount. It's the highest appointment the Lord could assign us. Hezekiah, as a king, led the people in the ways of the Lord for 25 years, and that is amazing. But he could have led generations of people in the ways of the Lord by pouring into his family as a father and a spiritual leader. And that reminds me of a verse from Proverbs chapter 22, starting in verse 4. It says, True humility and the fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and a long life. Corrupt people walk a thorny, treacherous road. Whoever values life will avoid it. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they'll not leave it. And that's a huge contrast between Hezekiah and Manasseh. Looking at that passage of scripture, I see Hezekiah in verse 4, where it says, Humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and a long life. In this reading, we see that Hezekiah is deathly ill, and he's on his bedside, and the prophets are telling him that he's going to lose his life. And he cries out to the Lord, asking him for help. And the Lord hears his cry and sees how faithful he's been, and he adds 15 years to his life, which is incredible. And then you see Manasseh in verse 5 saying, Corrupt people walk a thorny, treacherous road. Whoever values life will avoid it. And then in verse 6, it says, Direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they won't leave it. And I'm making a little leap, assuming that Hezekiah didn't pour into Manasseh like he should, um, but I don't think it's too far off base seeing how very wicked and deplorable and the route that, that Manasseh went, even seeing the good that his father had done, even though he modeled it, he didn't have the knowledge that he needed to follow through with godly living and godly leadership. Even though he was 12, he had the opportunity to be poured into and to be shown the ways of God. Hezekiah followed the Lord faithfully and his life was extended. Manasseh died unceremoniously, leaving all Judah in spiritual ruin. Back to parenting, I'm following this really closely. Uh, I am no better than anyone else. I feel like I, I love the Lord very much, and He's equipped me with gifts and talents, and He's called me to 
uh, uh, different uh, assignments to, to do in his name. But the biggest priority I need to have is my family and showing them the truth of God's word and, and, and reaching them with the gospel first. Because my greatest influence is not going to be in the things that I do for the Lord, but in my own family and the way that I lead my family and uh, the way I pour into them. Because that's how a long-standing influence is made, is by pouring into our children and seeing them follow in the ways of the Lord. I'll be so much more effective if I focus on the long game than on what just transpires in my life from, uh, from my birth to my headstone. It's, it's easy to get it confused that our ambitions and desires and passions and callings are so, so important and we make them so huge. And it's easy, and I'll speak for myself, it's easy to uh, even ignore the fact that our family is the greatest assignment we have that God has given us this family to steward and to shepherd. And I think we often think that if we're about God's business, that our family will follow behind us like little ducks going to the water. But it just doesn't work that way. People need their mom and dad to dial in and show them the truth of the gospel and spend that time with them and make sure that they're not learning by osmosis, which is not a way to learn. Um, they can, you can even model it for them. You can show it to them with their life, but nothing beats explaining the truth of the gospel to our children and, and cultivating that heartbeat inside of them and then equipping them to follow the Lord and then being courageous enough to let them go and see what the Lord would do with them. You know, what I do as a father is going to have a ripple effect in my legacy with my children there's a quote that's attributed to a lot of different people, but I believe it's a John Wesley quote. And it's a little um, haunting and it's apropos to this conversation. But he says, what one generation tolerates, the next generation will embrace. And so my challenge, and I guess your challenge too, is to be very careful what we tolerate. Our, our parents' generation would define what they believe by what they don't do. And I think our generations are inclined to define what they believe by what, what they actually do. And I think that's, I think that's a, a better perspective versus defining yourself by what you abstain from. Let's, let's define ourselves by, by what, we, what we put into practice. And along that line, we have to be well aware of what we're tolerating. Uh, are we tolerating uh, sin? Are we tolerating compromise? Are we tolerating um, allowing our children to embrace and experience things without the appropriate timeliness or context? Or are we are we tolerating um, our children being faced with challenges and we're just leaving it up to them to decide what's right or wrong? Because according to this quote, whatever we tolerate, the next generation will embrace. And so we have to look at our own lives and our own example and, and, and the things that I'm tolerating, would I be okay if my children embraced it? Uh, and that's, a, that's a, tough, a tough word for anybody, but I'm thinking through that myself as I read the scriptures this week. And we see that play out 
until King Josiah feels the conviction of the Lord and brings sweeping religious reform throughout the land, just like his great-great-grandfather did. Just like King Hezekiah, King Josiah brings all this change and all this reform and all this revival comes at the heels of reading God's word. Josiah reads the Book of the Covenant, which is excerpts of the Torah in its entirety and committed his and ultimately the nation's obedience to this covenant to God. Uh, Sadly, as was prophesied in Hezekiah's day, the Babylonian conquering and exile would still come to pass, but Judah, Israel, and even we are not left without hope. This week, we also read in Isaiah, starting in chapter 40, that a Messiah is coming. There is hope for the hopeless, a home for the homeless, and a help for the helpless. Israel complains toward God due to their circumstances and hard-heartedness, and God explains that their exile was a judgment and not neglect, and how he's allowed all these things to ultimately help bring them home physically and spiritually. Isaiah speaks of a servant who will fulfill God's plan and do what Israel is obviously unable to do. He's bringing good news of God's kingdom, but at the same time, he will be rejected and despised. He will be killed and brought to life again. And not only will he restore his people, but he'll be a light into the nations. So we see God is doing something different. He's been working through kings and and prophets and judges and doing all that he can to keep God's people in his will. And, and, And he's honoring his side of the covenant and the people of God are not. And they continue to fail and they cannot keep the law. They cannot do what's right in God's sight. And so God steps in and in Isaiah 43 in verse 19, he says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers and the desert. And this servant, this great hope is Jesus. It's Jesus. He makes people right with God and praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And it expounds on this in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 1. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable, catch this, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So going back to Josiah, he's reading the book of the covenant, which is the law of Moses. And he's doing all that he can to reform Judah and pull them back around. And he does a great job and they, and they do those very things, but it just doesn't last and it, and it can't seem to last. And that's what it says in verse three, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of our weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body, just like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared to end sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. 
Amen and amen. We cannot do this on our own. Head knowledge and understanding cannot save us. Duty and sacrifice will not open the door for us. Only Jesus, our King, makes a way in the wilderness and rivers in a desert. Our King Jesus can forgive our sins and put us in right standing with God. So I hope this message has encouraged you and challenged you as it has me. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us every Monday on The Word This Week. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we want to thank the River Community Church for sponsoring this podcast. And if you're in Cookville and looking for a church home, we'd love to invite you to come out. And you can check out more about us at theriverCC.com. Thanks, and join us next time on The Word This Week.